Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Ali Moreno, Shaka Hislop and myself, Kay Murray, here in the studio. And we'll start with Premier League action as Wolves took on Manchester United. Marcus Rashford back in the starting 11 and actually scored after hey. five minutes to mark his return soon after that Hoyland bundled one over. And so it was 2-0 for Manchester United. Things looking good until the second half when Wolves got a penalty kick. Pablo Sarabia scored that penalty, but McTominay then gave United a two-goal advantage once again. But then Max Kilman made it 3-2 to Wolves and suddenly Wolves turned things around because in deep stoppage time, Pedro Neto would score off a fast break, making it 3-3. But the hero on the day was Kobe Mainu, scoring an amazing goal in the 97th minute to give Manchester United the 4-3 win. He also had Sir Alex Ferguson smiling in the stands at that goal too. Manchester United are seventh now. Eight points off Spurs in the top four as it stands. Julian Laurent is joining us. What a crazy ending to that game, Jules. Yeah, crazy. Um, even with players coming back, Casemiro, of course, Lissandro Martinez, Varane, all of that. United still didn't have the control that they should have had towards the end of the game. Shaka just said, I heard him saying about why you three, you, you're leading and you, you, you still concede that third goal that they did, which is really beyond belief. They would be very happy with the win, of course, and very happy by the fact that Kobe Menu scored, of course, probably the best thing of the season so far, that Marcus Rashford, after all the controversy and all the negativity, also scores another goal for Holland. So there are a lot of positives, but also a lot of negatives, which shows that they don't have much margin this season. Checker. Yeah, I, I, I thought Jules summed it up perfectly there. A lot of positives to take from this game. But at the same time, while you're happy with three points, um, I thought Manchester United had control of this game, particularly in the first half. You're two up, you're cruising away to Wolves. You, you just do not throw, throw that kind of a lead away. Um, OK, controversial penalty, but you, you get yourself back in it with the, with the McTominay goal. Just have some control about the game. And, and this, for me, is... is is, is the most surprising thing about Manchester United. At no point against any opponent do they seem to ever be in full control and able to manage the tempo of a game, manage what, what the opponents do. It, it always seems to be that the opposition can find a way through, can find a way, can find a way back into this game. And, and that, for me, is, where, is how the, the second half went. It, it just became frantic in a game that... Wolves were chasing, so they, they're happy for it to be frantic. Manchester United had no control of it whatsoever, and all of a sudden, they, they, there's a, a game to this. Um, but the, the biggest positives for Manchester United, you started with and you finished. Marcus Rashford, with everything that's been swirling around, all the criticism he's come in, he's come in for, and in my opinion, rightly so, Eric Ten Hag didn't want to throw him under the bus any further, and you saw that in his, his pre-game press conferences. Marcus Rashford repeat that. He's not been scoring many. He doesn't need anybody to remind him. And, and all of a sudden, he finds a finish of, of absolute confidence, um, which 
if you're a Manchester United fan, you can only hope he's able to build on. But then you finish with what certainly has been the highlight of, of, of the season so far. Young Kobe Mainu coming into this Manchester United starting eleven, playing alongside the, the uh, Casemiro in, in, in midfield. And he, you've just seen a player grow in stature and grow in confidence almost in two weeks. Got his first goal for Manchester United, I think it was last week against, against uh, Newport. And the goal today was just something. It, it really was special. And for all the hair pulling you do with Manchester United, Kobe Mainu has come in and, and absolutely shown almost that vintage feel of what you expect a Manchester United player to be. How special was it, Ale? Well, the goal in itself, uh, not only is it the execution of the goal, the creative uh, aspect of the goal in which he puts the ball between the legs of the defender. But then once you do that, and I'll just give you the, the perception or the perspective of a player, you do that, you kind of like yourself a little bit because you're like, oh, hello. <laughs> but then you got to go and finish the play. And I think that's what I, he, he then shows us a different level of maturity in which, yeah, he puts it between the legs of the defender, but then there is something else to be done. And it's a little dip of the shoulder, now cut to the inside, there is pressure coming, and to then have the presence of mind, I'm going to bend it around the incoming pressure, I'm going to find that far post, in a moment in which it felt like the roof was caving in. It felt like, here we go again, we're blowing yet another match, and he shows individual maturity. To the point that Shaka was making about the game becoming frantic, Manchester United, as a team, doesn't have maturity. Individually, Kobe Mainu showed maturity today. In a moment of pressure, in a moment in which everything seems to be going against you, the momentum is gone, maybe now Wolves go on the attack, maybe they get the winner. How do we let this get away? In a very tight space, with pressure on him, with defenders coming towards him, smooth, gliding past people, then cutting to the inside, finding the far post, game winner, He's at a different level in terms of his maturity than the whole group of Manchester United. And continuing that conversation as well, Jules, Eric Ten Hag was asked before the game, is this your strongest team? And he said, I think so. Yeah, and I think he'd been, to be fair to him, whether we like him or not, like the season of United or not, he's been saying for a while now, wait until I get all the key players back from injuries, because I think the, the idea from the beginning was to, at some point, play... Kobe with Casemiro to have this great young player and, the, and United have been saying for a while that they have this little prodigy in midfield with one of the best in his positions for the last 10 years or 15 years really. So this was always been the idea, like it was the idea to have Lissandro Martinez and Varane playing together as a partnership defensively and not all the different centre-backs partnership that we've seen this season. So on that level, he's been saying from the beginning, but what tonight showed, of course, it's a good win with potentially your strongest team, if you think that Garnacho on the right is the strongest option that you have there. But as we've been explaining and as we saw, there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of controlling game, in, ter in, in terms of a lot of things, not exposing yourself too much. All of that, they're still, they're still not there yet, but at least it's a good thing if everybody stays fit and they can almost feel this team from now until the end of the season and then, then, then we will see where they are. Did it show they're still fighting for Eric Ten Hag though? Um, I guess, I, I, and it's, <laughs> it's difficult to answer because it's so difficult to 
identify exactly what this Manchester United are. Good, they, you'd have a good result and a good performance followed by a, a, a result and performance that you, you just don't recognize. And so it, it's, it's difficult to say right now until we see this Manchester United team put together something like a string of performances and results. I, I'm, I'm not sure which way this, this dressing room is going. I, I do sympathize with, with Eric Ten Hag because I, I think so many of these players, and I think it's been highlighted this week and I, again around the discussions around around Marcus Rashford, so many of those, those players just haven't been just de delivering on just what are basic expectations from professional footballers. And that has to be frustrating when you have a dressing room like the one he now has, where players are, are very highly paid, and it almost seems gets more difficult to, to have any kind of control or discipline with, within, a, within that dressing room. And then you see the performances that come more times than, than not on, on weekends. We take what, given the week that they had, um, again, the result against Newport, potential bananas can make easy work of that. And then building on that, this performance, this result, you take it as a step in the right direction. I don't, I'm not prepared to say that they've turned any kind of corner, not just yet. Uh, Eric Ten Hag also did say... He didn't show a whole lot of commitment well, there, I'm, I'm not sure where we are with Manchester. Okay. I'm just All right, sure. I noticed. And I want to revisit the Marcus Rashford situation because we saw what the conclusion to this situation has been. Eric Ten Hag said before the game, I didn't select him Sunday. He took responsibility. Case closed. He put him back in. Was it right to put him back in tonight from the start? He scored a goal, right, Kay? Yeah. And this is about results. And you put him out there and you hope that he responds for you. You hope that if there is an opportunity that he's going to take it. You hope that he's active, that he's going to create chances, that he's going to run at defenders. And for the most part, he did that tonight. And so, was it right? I suppose in looking at the result, of course it was. And the truth of the matter is that when you line up Manchester United and you think about what their options are in the attack, Marcus Rashford is among their best options in the attack. And so, if he's right, and all the situation seems to be okay, and case closed, and we've turned the page, and all those things, then yes, he should be on the field. The problem with Marcus Rashford has been that he has been given opportunity time and time again, because, again, you look around and you say, well, who, who are the best players here? Who are our best options in the attack? Marcus Rashford is one of them, and he hasn't been producing. And then if you add that to the fact that he is uh, having a, a nightlife, if you will, that uh, goes outside the boundaries of what you should be as a professional, then all the more attention goes to the fact that you haven't been scoring. Let me just tell you, if Marcus Rashford had scored 20 goals so far this season in the Premier League and he was out late and somebody took a picture of him and then he called in sick, this would not have been nearly as big a deal for Manchester United as it became. This is about productivity on the field and then you add fuel to the fire by not behaving professionally. Now he gets an opportunity to make good on it, to at the very least improve his situation, to turn the corner, if you will, to use Shaka's term. This seems like a moment in which perhaps, perhaps, much like Ten Hag, perhaps he's kind of turning the corner because it was a big moment for him, all attention on him. He scores a big goal. We move on. I, I, like, how, I like how Ten Hag is analyst. Mm. Um, he's kept it in-house. In, in um, we, we don't know what discussions he had, or, and, and he says that Marcus Rashford has accepted responsibility. We're not quite sure what that looks like, which is totally fine. That's, that's an in-house conversation to have. Eric Ten Hag had every reason 
to throw Marcus Rashford under the bus here. Listen, I, I'll, I'll only speak for, for myself. Um, certainly as a player, there are times that you aren't really in a condition to, to train. Okay, what? But, I'm sorry, what? spell uh, that out for uh, us, Jack. No, just, just, just take that as, as loosely oh. as you like. <laughs> but the one unwritten rule, as a professional, is you show up. Yep. You show up for your teammates. Whatever that looks like, you show up. So Marcus Rashford not showing up just, I, in, my, in my experience, goes against the grain totally. Eric Ten Hag could have thrown him under the bus, didn't, in his words, kept it at house, and now has been rewarded for it. He didn't keep Marcus Rashford in house, though, did he? <laughs> no. Well, well every, there, people are trying to do that. <laughs> that might have solved all the problems. <laughs> OK, let's get some more Premier League action then, because obviously we saw that big win for Liverpool over Chelsea. 4-1 it finished with goals from Jota, Bradley, Soberslay and Kunku and Diaz. Liverpool thrashing Chelsea to go five points clear at the top. We did mention Luis Garcia is still with us. So there's a few things to talk about here. First of all, Luis, Liverpool keep on ticking along. Yes, and uh, what a way to uh, to keep going and to show the, the, the confidence that this team is at, at the moment. Um, fantastic game, I, I have to tell you. Normally, when we have the chance of watching the games and analyzing from home, uh, you don't see the whole picture. You don't see the, all the movement. You don't see all the players at the same time at the same play. I had the chance of watching it from, from the stadium, and it was a, a joy to watch. Definitely, the whole team is moving like a butterfly to one side, the other side, the pressure, the intensity of every single one. For the first 45 minutes, I think Chelsea went through to the other half for maybe a couple of times, not even to put a threat, and it was all about Liverpool. It's true that uh, Darwin Nunes wasn't uh, as accurate as he should be, uh, but definitely he did work his hooks off. And of course, we are going to talk a lot about some of the players. McAllister did an amazing job, but this kid was something different. Uh, Kono uh, Bradley, made one of the best games I ever seen a play a young talent play for for the first team uh, he did everything right he was assisting in two occasions he scored the goal but the most important he was defending well he stopped Mudrik he stopped Sterling he was at the right position in the right moment fantastic game so in the end it was a 4-1 result for for Liverpool and continue helping them to be at the top of the table but again the way that they did, they showed that this team it looks uh, go ahead and straight cruising to get. They can even get four, but let's go a couple of trophy this season. And Luis, all of this without Salah. Yeah, exactly. Not without Salah. There were there were some changes uh, in the second half, of course. No Salah, no Gabco. There were players that were not involved in the in the first 45 minutes, and of course we all know that Salah is a different maker. He's the the player who. He's the top scorer of the, of the team. He's always a threat when he's on the right side. And uh, right now that he's not available, still showing how strong he's uh, and solid looks uh, this Liverpool. So, yeah, big contender to, to this trophy. There was a shout-out there from Luis to uh, Muhammad Ali there. Uh, that Liverpool was moving like a butterfly. Huh? <laughs> huh? Moving like a butterfly, stinging like a bee. They were great. And I I'm glad that Luis <laughs> highlighted uh, Darwin Nunez because we can focus on the fact that he missed the penalty or that he hit the crossbar. But I think he resembles so much the energy of Liverpool and the energy of that stadium of Anfield. When he's playing and when he's running and he's doing overlapping runs and he's just running after defenders, running in behind, you feel the energy of that stadium lift up. He has in him, I think, the personality of Liverpool and in him the personality of Jurgen Klopp. If he adds consistency in terms of productivity, man, 
he's going to be special for Liverpool. And of course, that's a big if, but he's so important to what they do because of the, the, the amount of work that he does that perhaps goes on a, on a, unappreciated. And they may be underappreciated by those that are not really paying attention, but I'm sure Jurgen Klopp loves to have Darwin Nunez playing up. So tell me, is there a time limit on this? Because I saw that Robbie Fowler back in England had said, you can't be a raw striker forever. You know, he thinks the goals are going to come for this player. But eventually you have to make sure you become clinical. Is there a time limit on going from what he is now to much more clinical? Right. As long as the team is winning and you're winning titles and you're winning trophies and you're winning Champions League or you're winning whatever is it that Liverpool can potentially win, then the lack of scoring from Darwin Nunez is not a big deal. Roberto Firmino, good example of that. Different type of player. But I just think the personality of Darwin Nunez matches Liverpool. And it matches Jurgen Klopp. And it matches what this team wants to be offensively. It also matches the energy that they need defensively out of their front three. I think they're a better team when Darwin Nunez is involved simply because of that energy and that intensity. And he gives you something. There's an edge about his game. If that comes with goals, then we're talking about world class. He's not quite there yet. You know who was there, actually there, just in case we didn't mention it, was Luis Garcia at Anfield. How did the atmosphere compare to other nights that you've experienced at Anfield, Luis? <laughs> I have to tell you that I've been in good nights, but yesterday was special as well. Uh, the atmosphere was brilliant. I want to talk about what Ali has mentioned. With, when uh, Darwin Nunes was missing, the whole crowd was clapping. The whole crowd was uh, whistling and singing his song. In the end, it's all about that, and they definitely... Uh, boost the team yesterday. Uh, uh, Darwin is not scoring goals, but at the end, the team is winning, and he's winning by big numbers. Four goals yesterday, that doesn't mean that the, your centre-forward needs to score goals. Of course, they're going to need him, but definitely he will arrive the moment when he got that pause, that tempo in the last there. Uh, yesterday, the atmosphere was fantastic. I had a chance of uh, going there with some, uh, some friends that they never been there, so I enjoy it uh, even more. Luis, we've got to take it to the other side, though. How do Chelsea look like they do right now? <laughs> Not very good, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, we are good friends of Pochettino, but the team didn't look very, very well. They look uh, with a lot of doubts, without intensity. I'm going to tell you something that it looks even crazy. One of my friends asked me, uh, who is the centre-one that is playing after 45 minutes? And Thiago was the one, he wasn't even aware of what was happening around him because uh, they never left the, the half of the pitch. The pressure of Liverpool was uh, overcoming them, overpassing them, and they were not, not be able to, to even create a chance. So, um, really, uh, they have a good talents, they have a good team, but at the moment, they look a team without soul. Um, they were uh, overpassed by Liverpool but easily. And in the end, it's a team that doesn't look uh, good for, for the rest of the season. They need to change a lot of things, starting from the commitment and the intensity. It was a lack of intensity uh, on the full 90 minutes. I saw maybe 10 minutes in the second half, but you can see the ball with Unkunku and Moody. They tried to be a little bit of a threat, but that's it. And that's not enough to be a, a top flyer in, in Premier League. What do you think is going on with Caicedo and Enzo Fernandez then, Luis? With the money that was spent on them, we were expecting to see more from the two of them now. Yeah, everyone. Yesterday, uh, Enzo was uh, was okay. He did uh, a, a good game, a decent game. We have to say when he was on the ball, he was involved on the on the ball. He was okay. But I think the two players they they don't match. They are very similar. They are uh, two uh, two players that they are uh, aggressive, intense, uh, players who to ring the ball to have 
to 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 have the battle, but they don't have uh, the, the creativity. That maybe this uh, this team needs a little bit in the middle. So if you mix a little bit, you have a player who can give you that fight, that runs, and to cover space and cover all the midfield. But the other one needs to bring something different. And I think at the moment playing the two at the same time it knows, is not helping. And the adaptation from Kaiser to Chelsea, I think, is not is not being the best one. We don't know why. Maybe the pressure, maybe the results, maybe the team that is not in a good run. So he doesn't show his qualities. But definitely at the moment yesterday they didn't look good. Jules, I know you've talked about this on the latest Gavin Jules show. It's just dropped today. How much of Chelsea's problems is on the players and how much of it is on Pochettino? It's a good question, Kay. I mean, it's one that we've been answering all season, really, because it just hasn't been good enough. They're 10th in the table, they've won nine, lost nine, their goal difference is plus one. This is, this is just not good enough. So you look at Pochettino and the fact that he's been here since July the 1st and there's still no... There is still nothing. I'm really sorry. I know the result was slightly better before that defeat at, at Liverpool. They won three in a row, all of that. OK, I get it. And the most important is to win in football. I understand that. But in terms of football itself, what this team is doing collectively, the structure of it, you just talk about Enzo and Caicedo. I don't think they can, they can play well in a team that is dysfunctional, in a team that collectively is not properly set and stru structurally is not there. There's, not, there's just nothing. When you look at what Postecoglou is doing, when you look at what Unai Emery is doing, to a certain extent what Arteta did even early in his... In his, in his time at Arsenal with a squad that was nowhere near as good as the one Pochettino has. And it's not a perfect squad and it's a very unbalanced squad. We've said that as well and that's not his fault. However, by now, we should see a better Chelsea. We should, we should see at least some improvement. And the game against Liverpool, and you knew before the difference between the two teams. It's, it's a, it was not a surprise to see Liverpool being much better than Chelsea. However, I think all of us expected a bit more from Chelsea and it's, it's just not there. And, Nobody can give me the direction. Where are, they go where are they going? How are they going there? What are they doing? What are they working on? Nobody can tell us because, because nobody can see it, really. That's how sad, really, that's the, the sad statement of the season so far, is that you don't actually know where they're going and how they're getting there. So how are we going to see some improvement? Oh, good Lord. I, I... What needs to happen to see improvement? Come on, Shaq. I, I... You need to sell everybody and buy a whole new squad, is the short answer to that. Listen, I, 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 yeah, exactly right. I listen. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with everything that that Jules and, and Louis just said there. It, it's to see Chelsea be this disorganized still, to see them struggle as as they, as they do as they have been still. It, it it really is difficult to explain. You have a well, I'm I'm I'm, I'm tempted to say talented squad, but nobody can can argue it's an expensive squad. You have a very good manager and who, who just hasn't been able to get any kind of tune out of this. Um, why Caicedo is struggling the way that he is, I, 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 I'm struggling to explain. How you cannot get a player, how you cannot get a midfield out of Enzo Fernandez and Caicedo is, is simply beyond me. Now, there are a lot of players that we can, we can criticise. Uh, Mudrik, we can say he hasn't been good enough. Uh, Raheem Sterling, maybe is, is on his best and, and uh, passes his best and, and now on a decline. That's all well and good. But you cannot bring players who, uh, like the two I just mentioned, Caicedo and Fernandez, who everybody recognizes as incredible talents. And while Caicedo did it um, for a smaller club, albeit, Fernandez did it primarily where he came to prominence in the Argentina national team, you, you are not seeing anything like that. And, and 
um, it, it's it's beyond me. I, I'm, I'm with Jews in that Pochettino has got some questions to answer here because there has been no improvement, and we're now, well, six months into the season, there has been no improvement at all about Chelsea, who they are, how they play, um, or, or where results come and come from, and to your question, how he turns things around. But that's that's the key, what you just said there, the no improvement part, because I don't think that we would have sat here at the beginning of the season and said, you know what, Chelsea, top four team, this team is going to be uh, outstanding, they're going to turn it around. No, I don't, I don't think that was realistic an expectation. But what I think was a realistic expectation is to see a team that indeed has an identity, this is how we're going to play, this is how we're going to improve, and that you start seeing growth. You're not seeing growth. You're not seeing steps being taken forward. In fact, that I would argue that sometimes they're doing the electric shuffle, and sometimes they're taking a little moon back and step back, and you're like, wait, hold on a second. What, 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 what is this team doing? Uh, and that, I think, it's a, it's a question that is very valid when you, when you watch Chelsea play. What are they doing? It's very simple. It's, it's a very basic question. But when we watch games and we try to analyze it, we sit there and we're, okay, what are they trying to do? And I don't think, it's one thing if we don't know. It's one thing if we kind of go, I don't know what this looks like. I think the players on the field have the same look that we have, the same expression in their faces. And they're looking at each other like, what are you, what are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? They don't know. It, it looks like a group of guys that just got together on a Sunday morning and say, hey, let's just play, guys. It's like a pickup game. And it's the first time that they're seeing each other. That's how they play. And we are as far as we are into the season. That's what's damning evidence for Pochettino, that you don't see any sort of growth from this group. It's a shame they can't play Middlesbrough every week. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take a look at the title odds. They lost uh, one of them at all. <laughs> <laughs> Man City is still... They did. They lost to Middlesbrough. <laughs> Man City still favourites here. But Luis, talking about Liverpool, are they going to give Jurgen Klopp the fitting send-off that he deserves? Yeah, <laughs> we wish. We wish. I think that they will be fantastic to, again, I, I, I said it before, to win a couple of trophies, uh, if it's possible, three or four, and and totally say, have a, a, a good farewell to, to a manager, I think, that changed the, the history of the club, changed the situation when, when he arrived to Liverpool. It took him a little bit, but he said, it. I'm going to find a way of make this team back to, to the best. And, well, we've seen Liverpool winning Premier League, the Champions League, FA Cups. It has been all around challenging one of the best teams in the history that it was in Manchester City uh, to win the Premier League. And it will be fantastic to see him uh, depart uh, with, with a few trophies. Uh, but, uh, well, you know that Premier League is tough. It's difficult. Manchester City is going to be there challenging. They're going to face uh, uh, Chelsea in the next uh, final of the Carabao Cup. And they still have to fight for the Europa League and, uh, and the FA Cup. So, yeah, I would love to see that because definitely he deserves. He met, uh, he's a fantastic character, big personality, not only in the club, but also in the city. Everyone loves him. And, well, we've heard all about, uh, about him that the players have been saying for during the whole week. So, yeah, uh, I would love to see the, the departure with, uh, with a few trophies and a fantastic farewell. All right, Luis. Well, we wish you sweet dreams of Liverpool winning lots of titles this season. We're going to let you go and get some rest. We know you've been travelling around. Uh, make sure to check out the latest edition of Extra Time over on our YouTube channel. Jules, Ale and Shaka are answering your questions. 
Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Real Madrid were looking to go back on top of La Liga's table when they took on Hatafe at the Coliseum. It was a comfortable outing for Carlo Ancelotti's men ahead of what's going to be a much more difficult run. Rossellu with both of the goals on the night. This is how things are looking right now with Real Madrid sitting back on top and a big weekend ahead when they will face Atletico Madrid in El Derby. It got a little bit feisty at the end there, Alex. What more can you tell us from the end of the game? Yeah, it did. It did. There was certainly a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of niggle, a little bit of controversy, a little bit of drama there at, at the end. You mentioned that you had the penalty appeal on, on Brahim. I was sat as close to that as I could have been right behind the goal. And I, I agree, I could not believe that wasn't given as a as a penalty. Yeah, there were one, one or two little heated moments, I have to say. In terms of the game as a whole, it, it was never as close as I really expected it to be. I thought Real Madrid were pretty comfortable, certainly when they got the, the second goal. Yes, Hetafe had one or two chances, but never really felt like Hetafe were, uh, were in the game. And I think Real Madrid would be pretty pleased with, with how it went, except, of course, the fact that, that Rudiger had to go off. Let's see if that injury turns out to be anything serious or, or not. But otherwise, I think it was, like I say, a pretty straightforward win for, for Real Madrid and a win which puts them top of the table. They could do without losing Rudiger right now, Ali. <laughs> Absolutely. And even with Rudiger and Nacho, they, they've been giving up a lot of goals. And it's not just a centre-back pairing that is suffering. I think the back line as a whole suffers. And the lack of continuity and certainty in goal also has been an issue. But the Rudiger-Nacho partnership hasn't been perfect. The many nacho partnership is not an improvement. And so if there was a position on the field that Real Madrid cannot afford to lose players, it's certainly as a centre-back position. If you were Antonio Rudiger... You're hoping that this was just a dead leg, that it was a knock, that the fact that you go through Mason Greenwood, that maybe hit you on the side of the leg, and then that's it. If it's any more than that, and now Chouameni has to step in and play centre-back, if you're Alvaro Morata, if you're Antoine Griezmann, if you're anybody from Atletico Madrid, you're thinking, I'd rather have anybody else but Rudiger in the back line, whoever Carlo Ancelotti decides, Rudiger is a much better option than whoever else is, is left. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something. No, I wasn't. Oh. I, was, I was just hanging on Ali's every word. Oh, well. Thank well, you, Jack. Uh, well, while, we, while we are there in this area of the pitch then, Lunin to stay in between the sticks once yeah. again? 
All right, listen, I, I've, I've said all along that I thought Luna was the better of the two goalkeepers between him and Kepa. It's a difficulty in that your mindset has to be that the minute Coutoua is fit, uh, I'm, out, I'm out of a place. That Coutoua does have a long-term injury. We see how long before he, he returns. But I, I feel that Lunin, while both goalkeepers have made mistakes, for me, Lunin is just a little more solid. Um, and, and I thought the, the save he made today later on certainly justifies uh, Carlo Ancelotti sticking sticking with him for, for longer. I, I would double down on what Ali was, was saying, was it pre-game or, 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 or at, at half-time, that allow whoever you choose to feel that they're the man. That nobody, want, no goalkeeper wants to be playing with the thought that one mistake, one bad performance, whatever it may be, I'm, I'm out. That, 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 restricts, that restricts the goalkeeper and, and, and in, in the end forces them into, into making those errors. Um, so that, that being said, I thought Lunin did nothing to, to, to warrant being left out. I thought added to, added to that with, with the importance that he made. I think he gets a nod in, in the big game to come. And, and, and just one quick thing about Lunin. He doesn't have to do a whole lot in the game. But in the moment that he was called to make a big save, a big save, a game-changing save, because at that moment it felt like Hetafe were kind of finding their way in the match and Real Madrid had waste a couple of opportunities to make it 3 nothing. If Borja Mayoral is able to put that in from a mistake by Real Madrid, now momentum is with Getafe. In a big moment of the game, he came up with a big save. Of course he should be starting on the weekend. Yeah, and especially it had been one of six games conceding for Real Madrid, which had been their worst run in this aspect this season. So it's a clean sheet today. Was it more comfortable than you thought it would be, Luis, for Madrid? <laughs> more comfortable? It, it couldn't be more comfortable. I mean, if Real Madrid wanted to play a game ahead of uh, of the Atletico de Madrid game at the weekend, he was expecting something like this. Um, Getafe didn't put... I mean, we, we talked before the game what it was Getafe about. We, we all remember what uh, the Barcelona players were complaining, where the, the, the Atletico Club de Bilbao were complaining. And in the end, it was an easy game. No intention... No danger, not a threat at any moment. Even when I thought that the Getafe maybe was going to do, Real Madrid was walking around the pitch, so there was no intention at all of the Getafe to try to get something tonight. And Real Madrid, they were just happy. It was a gift for Real Madrid. I'm not saying that Real Madrid, of course, they were not in, um, with the idea of getting a good result. Of course, it, it was. But you could see that the Real Madrid players didn't even put another gear. So, yeah, a very easy game, very comfortable game. Three points, and they continue. They are cruising mode in the La Liga at the top of the league, and now they have to look forward for Atletico Madrid derby. Yeah, they do. And Alex, a lot more brownie points today as well for Hosselu. It seems to be that that's becoming a regular occurrence for Real Madrid this season. Look, he's a very useful player. He's a very useful player to have in the, the squad. That's not a massive surprise. I think we knew that he, he'd scored goals. You know, he scored goals for, for Espanyol. So, he, of course, he's going to score goals for, for Real Madrid with the kind of service you get being a centre-forward in, in a Real Madrid team. Of course, he's not, he's not the big name that you might expect to be leading the line for Real Madrid. He's not a Karim Benzema, but he's a very effective player. He's a really good player in, in La Liga. Whether he has what it takes to do it at the very, very highest level, you know, let's see how far Madrid go in the Champions League this season and, and can he cut it there? That's maybe another question. We have seen him score, score a few goals at international level for, uh, for Spain, but certainly in games like this in La Liga, 
I think he's really handy and, and you know, thank goodness that Real Madrid have got him because he's the only centre forward in the squad and they, they, they need him because um, you've got Vinicius who missed one or two chances today. You've got Rodrigo who has been, been pretty good but has had some, some dry spells as well this season. You've got Jubelium contributing goals from midfield but they need Hosolu. They need his goals. They need his presence. I think he's a, I think he's a good character uh, to have in the dressing room. He's an experienced player. He's a, he's a leader. Um, I think he's a, he's a good guy to have around. So I think he's been very, very useful for, uh, for Real Madrid and he's just loving this. He's having a great season. You can see the way that he's you know, celebrating the goals today. He's having the time of his life. He's, he's a Real Madrid fan. Fan. you know he's always been a Real Madrid fan and he's ended up at this late stage in his career at the club as the club's you know first choice centre forward okay not always starting games sometimes coming off the bench but playing a lot and being important and scoring goals and like I say yeah I think he's a, he's a really valuable player for this Real Madrid team getting on with it every time he's called upon right and let's just put this into context and what the presence of Jose Lu means for Real Madrid because you know, people have short-term memories at this point last season if Karim Benzema wasn't playing. Okay, what were your options? Mariano Diaz. Mariano! Come on, play, right? In Hazard would play center forward at, at one point or another for Real Madrid last season. Yes, the, I just said in Hazard. Mariano Diaz. Those are the options. So at the very least, you have a credible threat and a guy who has accomplished something in his career scoring goals. Yes, lesser teams. I understand it. But he gives you a credible threat in attack. And more importantly, he gives you a different look. You're not just having to depend on the tricky guys, on Vini and Rodrigo. This guy gives you an option to be more direct. If you're going to swing balls into the box, there is a big guy who can get on the end of a cross. And his movement inside the 18-yard box is usually pretty good. He creates enough separation from defenders. He can get on the end of crosses. Not the best finisher in the world, but gives you a different look. And today... That amounted to three points for Real Madrid. So when you think about where Real Madrid were in terms of the options in the center forward position and where they are now, outside of Karim Benzema, yes, Jose Lu is an upgrade to anything and everything else that they had available to them last season. Alex, sitting pitch side today, what else stood out to you from this Real Madrid side? I mean, Bellingham, always Bellingham. You know, again, it's, it's not a game that he's scored in, but it's a game in which he was seeing plenty of the ball. I, I think we're seeing more and more the way that he's... Talk about leaders. He's a leader in this in this Real Madrid team. He's a player who, who quite likes to get stuck in, who enjoys the the physical battle, who stands up to the to the opposition, who is is a star here. You know, where I was sat, the Hetafe fans behind the goal were, were shouting Jude, 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 pretty much right the way through the through the game because he is he, he is a superstar. I saw him just now, just as before we we came on air, actually talking to one of the fans here down by the uh, down by the tunnel. So Bellingham stands out. Bellingham always stands out. Um, I was impressed by Rodrigo coming off the bench. He's such a lovely player to watch. Rodrigo when he gets on the on the ball running at players looks like making things happen and as I said earlier I think he's a very useful player to have coming off the bench Rodrigo a go as if he's not starting games as well um, and yeah Real Madrid getting the, the job done against a team that, that can be a very awkward opponent and I think that, that's that, that's the big thing to take from from today's game is how a game that that, that could be a potential banana skin that could be problematic that you know we've seen teams come here and, and struggle we've seen a team like Barcelona come here and struggle uh, for example this season Real Madrid came here 
and made it look pretty pretty comfortable, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. And it's it was their game in hand. They now played the same number of games as everybody else. They're top of the table, you know, just ahead of, of Girona, who they play next weekend after the Madrid derby. So Madrid are in a pretty good place right now. They had that slight hiccup with the with the Copa del Rey elimination to Atletico, but otherwise in La Liga, it's it, it's been a really really good season. There's other other you know challenges on the horizon with the Champions League as well, but the league is looking is looking very very good. You know, in a way, it's it's been quite serene there. Their progress in La Liga this season. They only had that one defeat all season way back in, in September to Atletico as well. But, but since then, it's been pretty plain sailing for Real Madrid. When you think about all the obstacles they've had to sort of deal with along the way, the absence of Courtois that we've talked about, the absence of, of Militao, Alaba now, other injuries, Vinicius was out uh, for a while. All of that, and to have come through it the way they have done, and, you know, and, and pretty, like I say, in pretty straightforward fashion. And that was the case again tonight. That's what really stands out for me. Yeah, and one thing that does stand out, as Alex did just mention, the losses this season have come to the side they play next. Atleti on Sunday, they'll be at the Bernabeu for El Derby. It's Real Madrid against Atleti again. Well, the one team that's caused Real Madrid the most problems this season is Atleti. We're just taking a look here at their record at Atleti against everywhere else. And it really does tell the story of how things have been when they come up against Diego Simeone's side in the current campaign. So all eyes will be on the most recent edition of El Derby because we've been able to see quite a lot of them this season. Luis Garcia, what can we expect from the latest one? Same. I think that we are going to find a fantastic and exciting game. Both of the teams arrive in a very, very good moment. Real Madrid, we, we've been talking about that they are with a lot of confidence. It doesn't matter who is on the field, that they manage to get the results. They manage to find a way of, uh, of scoring goals and also to, to, to get points. And Atletico in Madrid, finally, we saw uh, that version that we all like. Very solid at the back, very consistent and at the front. We all know the Griezmann is the, the player to have an eye on. It's always special, but now they have recovered Memphis Depay that I think that they's gonna give, they are going to give them something different. With Morata in top four, Memphis gives you that that pose, that quality at the, at the front who can match any single one that Real Madrid can have. So I think it's going to be very exciting. Uh, very difficult to call because uh, any of the teams can, can get the, the, the result, can get the three points. But uh, again, I think that both teams are arriving at the perfect moment to face each other. What's been the talk then in the Spanish capital, Alex? Because obviously this season, when we've seen these two sides meet, we've all been entertained, but we just don't know what's going to be the outcome of them. Yeah, they've been really high-quality games and they've been unpredictable, haven't they? Uh, the, the first time they met back in September was really interesting because I think that was a game uh, that Real Madrid and that Carlo Ancelotti learnt quite a lot from. Like I say, their only defeat in La Liga so far uh, this season. It was a game where uh, they were really exposed out wide on the wings. This um, diamond formation that Ancelotti was trialling at that point, uh, some of its weaknesses were exposed and Ancelotti responded by sort of tweaking the, the team, tweaking the midfield, shifting the position of of Bellingham out to the left-hand side to sort of cover, help out on the on the left wing. And, and we've seen a much more solid Real Madrid since that game. So that was a defeat that Real Madrid learned an awful lot from. And since then, well, they met in the in the Super Cup when Real Madrid came out on top. And, and in the end, uh, it, was, it, was, it was tight and it was close, but Madrid were were the better team in the end and Atletico just ran out of steam. And then, of course, the Copa del Rey when Atletico came out on, on top. So it is unpredictable. The big difference here, of course, is that it, it's at the Bernabeu, which is different because Atleti have, have made a bit of a, of a fortress of the Metropolitano in the, last, in the last year or so. But yeah, it's very, very, uh, very, very difficult to call because Atletico have got have got some top players. You talk about Griezmann and Morata, you know, two of the best forwards in, in, in Europe this season in terms of their goal scoring and, 
and, and they can cause uh, Real Madrid's defence some problems. Have you seen, especially a, a Real Madrid defence that's been robbed of a number of players through uh, through injury? Um, but yeah, I, I think it's very, 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 very hard to, to to predict or to say which one's going to come out on top. Because uh, if, if we've done anything this season, it's that yeah, either of these two teams is is capable of beating the other. The one thing for for, for sure, I think, is that it is going to be it is going to be good fun. It is going to be entertaining. You know, in the past, we saw some Madrid derbies that were that weren't that much fun. You know, that it could easily finish in a, in a, in a goalless draw, a one 0 or a one one. But what we've seen this season. Is, is hatfuls of, of goals and let's hope we see more of that on Sunday. Yeah, as Alex said, Luis, it does seem to be the stadiums between these two that are difference makers. But for you, from each team, who's going to be a difference maker for both Atleti and Real Madrid this weekend? Um, well, I guess that for Atletico de Madrid, in the way that he's been playing, I think that Griezmann is going to be the one who's going to make the difference because uh, his quality, his awareness, his football intelligence is the one who... Uh, is the different maker and for me uh, he said the player that when he's on the ball anything can happen for Atletico Madrid everything goes through his feet and he's the player who has been outstanding the whole season sometimes he will not be as bold as, as much but every single time when he's Atletico Madrid goes through and for uh, Real Madrid we all think that uh, maybe Bellingham could be the one but I will go with Vinicius in Vinicius if he's in a top four if he's focused if he's uh, thinking about uh, being a threat for Real Madrid is very unstoppable. He's a player who likes to show and, and shine when these games arrive. And if I was Atletico Madrid, I would be ready to 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 have one or two players always covering that uh, left side because uh, definitely Vinicius is going to be there trying to 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 hurt them. Are Atleti going to finish above Barcelona this season, Alex? I mean, right now it looks like it. You'd, you'd have to say Barca, you know. Uh, are in a, a battle for, for, for top four. Atleti have, have had their moments earlier in the season when we were talking about them as, are they you know, potential title contenders? Would they make it a, a three-horse race? They've had one or two drop points since then. I think right now, yeah, I think you'd back Atletico Madrid to finish above uh, above Barcelona. We know how, how desperate Barcelona are for uh, for Champions League football, how important that is for, for them with their financial situation as well. That's also true for Atletico Madrid, who we've seen um, active a little bit in this January transfer window, spending a, a bit of money to, to strengthen the, the squad in some in some key positions. Um, but they need Champions League football every bit as much as, as Barcelona do. Right now, let's be honest, right now it looks like a race for the title between Real Madrid and Girona, and it looks like Atleti and Barca are, are two of the teams, alongside one or two others, who are who are battling for uh, for top four. With how Alex, just sticking with you, obviously because you were there today at the game, with how Real Madrid finished, you think that's going to be a similar eleven to the one we'll be seeing against Atleti for Real Madrid this Sunday? It's a good question. It's an interesting one. There are a number of positions where, yeah, you think that Ancelotti's got some decisions to make. You guys have talked a lot about the goalkeeper, so I probably don't have to go into go into that again. Um, but otherwise, we saw Danny Carver how coming off the bench at right back. You'd expect him to start ahead of ahead of Lucas Vasquez. Um, questions in in midfield. Ancelotti has options in midfield. He went for Luka Modric today, but quite often in the big games this season, Luka Modric hasn't been a, a starter. He's been a player who's been who's been benched. So wouldn't be too surprised by that. Uh, and we saw um, Hoselu starting today of course and, and scoring twice I mean he's made as good a case as he could make uh, to start in the derby but equally you wouldn't be too surprised if it was Rodrigo and Vinicius Jr who who start up front and if Hosolu is another option off the off the bench and the other one of course is let's let's see if uh, Rudiger exactly what he has if it is a, just a, a dead leg or a knock or if it's something more serious and if he's if he's available at centre back um, for the weekend because if not then it will be too many as we've said, dropping into, into defence, and that leaves a, a gap in midfield, which you'd expect someone like Eduardo Camavinga to, to occupy at the base of the midfield.
Alex, I know how cold it is there at the Coliseum <laughs> on a night. I know there's no central heating of the Bernabeu. There's no roof to keep you warm. So you've done a great job, mate. We're going to let you go. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. Thanks. <laughs> Good job, Alex. Poor, poor Alex. All right. Upcoming La Liga schedule. That's a big one this weekend. Del Derby, Real Madrid against Atleti. And if Alex does make his way to that game, he'll definitely be a lot warmer there, that's for sure. Uh, all the action across the weekend in La Liga, available on ESPN Plus. Barcelona have to go away to Alaves to see if they can start a winning run, shall we say. They uh, got that win yesterday against Osasuna. They'll be looking to build on that. And then Rayo Vallecano taking on Sevilla on Monday is another interesting one to keep your eyes on, as is Girona against Real Sociedad. We're all talking about whether Real Madrid can go back on top of the table, keep that pressure on Girona. Can Girona continue into this second half of the season with the fine form that we've seen of them all campaigned so far. Obviously, they have been the surprise package, but what we're seeing from them right now is so good, it's not coming as a surprise anymore. Lots of La Liga coming up for you this weekend. As always, matches available in both English and in Spanish. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Let's get some deadline day deals in. Armando Broer going to Fulham. They've agreed a loan deal for the Chelsea forward until the end of the season. What more can you tell us about it, Jules? I find this one really strange. On the back of everything we've just said on Chelsea, considering this squad, this Chelsea squad is completely unbalanced and we've said for many, many weeks now that they need a striker. They have one in Broja. Whether you think he's good enough or not, whether you like him or not, again, it's a different... But Chelsea doesn't really like him much, to be fair. However, he's still a number nine. He's more number nine than Nico Jackson is. More number nine than Cole Palmer or Raheem Sterling or Christopher Nkunku or anybody else that you could put there. And what do you do? You let him go and you don't replace him. And it's just, I think that sums up Chelsea quite well and how dysfunctional this club has been since Todd Bailey and his friends took over, really. So it's a loan with a, 
a four million pound loan fee as well so they get a little bit of money in at a time where they need money to come in their account after spending all that money on this current squad and this is it and if you're Fulham then you can have a bit of competition between Jimenez and and Broja of course hoping that Broja can rediscover the form that we saw at Southampton when he was there on loan a couple of seasons ago and that's it really from a Chelsea point of view I have to say even if Pochettino doesn't like him I, it doesn't make much sense. All right, let's take you through some other notable deals that have... So paid, good things are going on at Chelsea. <laughs> good things going on. That makes sense. Uh, listen, notable deadline day deals. Bayern have had to move up Brian Zaragoza signing from the summer to now because of Coman and Gnabry oh. being hurt. So that's an interesting one. Anything else that stands out to you there? Or I suppose that's one of them really, Ali, isn't it? Brian Zaragoza coming to Bayern now. Well, yeah, and, and remember that the reason as to why he was staying with Granada was to help him avoid relegation. He may have stuck around and seen Granada where they are currently, and they're not saving themselves from relegation. He said, I'm not sticking around, I'm out. See you all later. But it's an important player and a necessary player for Bayern Munich, given the fact that, yes, yeah, you just mentioned the injury to Kingsley Coman. I assume that Mati Stel will be ahead of Brian Zaragoza in the pecking order for Thomas Sujo, but Zaragoza does give this team and this manager something different. A guy in 1v1 situations that's slippery, that's shifty, that has speed, but a lot to prove at this sort of level. Like Thomas Granada, had one big game against Barcelona. That was sort of the, 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 the trampoline, if you will, or in, in German, the springbrot. Springbrot. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Join us every weekend, Shaka. Uh -huh. We know that now and again you do. No, yeah, you Bundesliga, Bundesliga Shaka, not the other one. New goalkeeper at Nottingham Forest, Shaka, yeah. as well. Nottingham Forest have been having an absolute nightmare with that. Um, a bit of a merry-go-round in, in terms of who has the number one shoot. And nobody, nobody has done anything to, to kind of justify keeping hold. I thought Matt Turner started well the other day, but then and, uh, mistakes. I, I, I just feel... Too often, um, too many of, of, of Forest goalkeepers have just had this lack, lack in, in concentration, and, and it's costing them. Uh, Forest are, are sliding desperately, and my concern was that the goalkeeping situation would cost them their Premier League status, had to be addressed. We'll see how it works out. Jules, it's been a bit of an underwhelming January transfer window. Why? Is it because all the teams are already so set and they don't need to bring any new names in? Yeah, I mean, especially in England, really. And that's what Gab was saying on our show this morning, is that if you look outside of England, it's actually been pretty interesting everywhere. In Germany, in France, in Italy, maybe not so in Spain, but quite interesting. And at the level that we are used to usually in January. For the Premier League, though, it's very different. I think what happened to Everton and the points deduction, what is about to happen again to Everton and to Nottingham Forest for similar reasons and the... The, the sustainability rules and the breach of them especially is a, a, a huge warning sign for every club, everybody to be careful with how you spend your money, when you spend it, on who you spend it. And I think they were very, they were more cautious than ever really uh, this, this month. And that's why I think compared to, I mean, last season was a, an exception in itself. The 800 and something million pounds spent in, on in January purely, the deals like Enzo, for example, we knew before that this would never happen again. However, there's a difference between reaching that kind, reaching that kind of high and the low that we've had in this January. But yeah, it reflects what the Premier League have been trying to do, which is to control a bit more the spending of Premier League clubs because there was a time where those spendings were out of control.
a little correction, sprung bread. I don't know if I got it right to oh, begin with. All right. If Derek's watching, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah I know. Uh, That's why I wanted to correct myself. Sprung yeah. bread. It was, yeah. was lost yeah. in me. Yeah, it was a trampoline in German. Right? Well, I'll take Sprung the word wherever. You need to get practice in chat. Oh, I'm just oh, saying. No, I'm, I'm good. Right. I'm Make sure to check out our live transfer deadline day threads over on the website ESPNFC.com. You know that we all love a little bit of beef, don't you? And we got plenty of that in the Spurs-Brentford game. After Neil Mopé scored, gave Brentford an early lead and copied James Madison's start celebration. So you know that went down not so well, like a lead balloon, shall we say. And you also know what happens next, don't you? Spurs scoring three goals in quick succession. And guess how they all celebrated? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you riled them up a little bit. In fact, both of them were talking after the game and both had plenty to say about the whole situation as well. James Madison said he hasn't scored enough goals to have his own celebration. He said they told him that. <laughs> okay. And Neil Mopé said, more goals and less relegations in my career oh. than James Madison. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Jules, I, I like, I like this. Oh, this. Oh, boy. I, I mean, I have to say... I love all the trash talking. I, I think this is this is part and parcel of our game in general. Neil Mope is feisty. James Madison, I think, can take a joke and can give it back pretty bad, pretty 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 strongly too. So it was always going to happen. I, I like the fact that Mope said like I went a bit early on that one because the whole idea about the trash talking is that you do it and you win. Because if you do it and then you don't win, then you look a bit like an idiot, which at times is what. Neil Mope looked like a little bit last night. Uh, but, you know, I think Ali and Shaka know him very well. I think this is part of the game. And sometimes you're on the receiving end. And for some players, sometimes you give it and you give it good. And sometimes, like Mope last night, you give it bad. Are you all about it, Shaka? Yeah, but, but to, to Jules' point, yeah, you, you want to have the last laugh to to, to, to Jules' point about, about Neil Mope. Um, and, and he didn't. Uh, Madison walks away with three points. He, he gets he, he gets um, he gets the nod on on the night. The, uh, the back and forth was was, was nice though. Yeah. I, Mope's response is good. Yeah. I, I that's what, that. I that's what I'm saying. It, yeah. Fine. Mm -hmm. First, you can keep the three points, but in terms of getting the last laugh, <laughs> I like what Mope said. I've got less relegations than you. That's a little kidney punch right here. Yeah, well, we've mentioned a lot the Gab and Jewel show. Make sure to go and listen to the latest edition because there's lots of talk about what's been going on. Obviously, we mentioned that deep dive on Chelsea as well. Check that out wherever you do get your podcasts. And Jules is wearing Moises Caicedo's jersey. That's why Caicedo's been struggling. Oh, that's, uh, that's fault. <laughs> with everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. 
Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Oh, oh shit! Here, here we go. We wondered where you disappeared to today. Okay. Uh, so I had to, uh, to, you know, the algorithm and all that. Uh-huh. Um, Maidstone number 10. That's all that matters. Is that the surprise that you got? That's the that's for surprise. Of? Listen, Maidstone even had Ali believing in the magic of the FA Cup huh? last week. <laughs> okay. if, if you could do that, the least you deserve is number 10. Big George Alokobi, their, their manager. What, well, what a day for him. It's, it's not a surprise, Shaq, because you were asked to put Mason in, and you said that if people ask nicely, you put them in. That that's the standard nowadays. That's, that, that's, that's my surprise. Shaq <laughs> yeah, says, I've got a surprise for you, and then our producer takes to back his power ranking. <laughs> uh, 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 so... Any, well, any problems, Ali? No. Okay. <laughs> In order for me to have a problem with the power rankings, I, I would have to assume that Shaka has put in a whole lot of work into this, and then yeah. this is the list that he comes up with. I've been here since this morning. Uh, truth be told, as we were watching the many games that were going on this afternoon, Shaka said, oh, I have to do my power rankings. <laughs> let, me go, let me go and put in the data and the algorithm. I'll, I'll be right back. It lasted maybe three minutes. <laughs> so there you go. I cannot get upset at a list that takes three minutes to put together. Right. I've been working right. on it all day long. Jules, Jules, give him some stick. Been please. working on this all day long, Jules. <laughs> all I mean, day. I think clearly the algorithm uh, is broken. Uh, <laughs> not just because Maidstone United makes the top ten, but because the most informed team in the whole world, the best team in the whole world, the whole... Look at all, every single league, every single domestic league, the one team that is the best in the world is not in that top 10. PSV Eindhoven have played 19 games in their league. They won again at the weekend, by the way. They've won 18 and drawn one, and lost zero, obviously. And they're not in the power rankings? I mean, or maybe the power rankings is just different. It's just what Shaka They lost in the cup. Like, hey, they lost in the cup, that's what it is. Come. They lost in the cup. <laughs> Where are PSV behind of it? Shaq, yeah. do you really know if they lost in the cup or yeah, you're they lost in the cup? That's why they won in the last <laughs> week. So they won't. So uh, what they about Bayer Leverkusen? Huh? Yeah, why, Leverkusen? Why are Bayern Munich new in ahead of Leverkusen? Is Lever- it Leverkusen drew. Leverkusen drew on the weekend. Is it, so it's just to do with They're stats unbeaten. and not, unbeaten. And not what we're they drew. They drew. So form hey. comes in ahead. <laughs> so they dropped. Have you seen Bayern Munich play? Yeah, we have, but, but, but they, they won, what, three in a row? They won three in a row. <laughs> but okay. I, I admit, they're not pretty. It's not fun. Okay. Not fun. <laughs> wow. But they're in better form. Wow. Look at that, dropping out PSG when Jules is on the power ranking. Uh, PSG drew. I mean, they drew as well. They can't be in. They're not better. 
I'm not even sure Piers Jag will beat Maidstone in all honesty. Oh, all right, here we go. Goodness. Okay. All right. More shenanigans. <laughs> you didn't know how to describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were going to go with something different. I am just TV. Saying. We go, we yeah. go with shenanigans. shenanigans, all right? Go what with else shenanigans. What else did you think I was going to say? <laughs> well, <laughs> you should have stuck with that. I'll tell you whose comments who have caused a little bit of a stir. Uh, U.S. Women's National Team <sighs> Captain Lindsay Horan. She said, American soccer fans, most of them, aren't smart. They don't know the game, they don't understand, but it's getting better and better. I'm going to piss off some people, yep. uh -huh. but the game is growing in the US. People are more and more knowledgeable, but so much of the time, pe people take what the commentators say. Oh. Oh, there's a lot to talk about uh, on the latest edition of Football see, America. People take what you say and blow your power ranking. into those so comments. I am absolutely sure of it. Make sure to check that out twice a week on ESPN+. But as always, these guys always... But what about the game? What about the game? It's about the beautiful game, yeah. you know? They're going to be answering your questions okay. on the latest go. edition I'm, of I'll, Extra Time. Maybe, Jules is I'm back I'm going to start working on next week's power rankings. All right. Yeah, yeah, you All right, stick around here. There's Extra Time's on the way. <laughs> Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Shaka Power Rankings Day. And, uh... I forgot PSV. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> oh no, you had you had your reasons. I, I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it sounded like you had done a lot of research. <laughs> you really played it off. Especially with how long he was out of the room for <laughs> yeah. doing the power. <laughs> a good yeah. solid three minutes. Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jules is with us as well. Uh, Jules, when can we expect news regarding Mbappe's decision? And let me tell you as well, Jules, you may have seen this, but on one of the Madrid front pages today, it said, "Just tell us already." Yeah, I think we, I mean, to be fair, he had said before and that we've been told as well that he wanted it to, to be resolved quick, quickly. Uh, not like, if you remember, two years ago when he went all the way down to the end of May, when he decided to stay. In the end, this time, I think he wants it done before that. But with Kylian Mbappe, you just never know when that will be. He said also the other day that once he's ready and once he knows, it will tell everyone, thank you very much for that. <laughs> when will that be? We just we just don't know. I think he part of him wants to take his time and still just I mean really and again I haven't been in that position and the boys have been in terms of transfer, do I stay or do I accept this move and this offer and go to another club? And it was not PSG or Real Madrid, but they've been in between two clubs, really. I don't know how long you you need to do the pros and the cons and to weight your options and to decide where to go. But really, he's, he's known for a long time what the situation will be. He knew, I think, from a long time, the Real Madrid contract, the PSG new contract. So he, he, he is known for a while how much money he would earn in both clubs. He's known what both clubs are about and what they're doing and what they will do next season. So I just don't know what takes so long, basically. Jack, I got, I got a question. Who, who do you think is more committed Mbappe to reveal his decision or you to your power ranking? Well, uh, two equally difficult decisions to make. <laughs> well, you, when you weigh up all those pros and cons, Ali, that's, that's, it's tough. I, I sympathize with, with Killian. You, I, I face that every week. I face you, that every week, can Killian. Can you lend them your algorithm, oh, please? I, I, I'll, I'll forward it to Jules, and Jules can forward it. Yeah, the thing okay. is, though, he's much more likely to make the power rankings if he does go to Real Madrid by what we're seeing from your recent picks. Well, you can make the power rankings by going to Maidstone. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> All right. It's tough as we've hardly seen any signings, but which of the Yan signings do you think would create the most impact across the leagues? Do we have a full screen? What are the Jan signings? Oh, Jan signings. I thought Jan. Oh, 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 no, 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 Jan no, 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 uh, no, which of the Jan signings do you think would create the most impact across the leagues? That's me. Okay. Fran Zaragoza to Bayern Munich. Now, I don't know how much of the impact it will be, but it's a necessary signing given the injury to Kingsley Coman. And we'll see what kind of role Zaragoza plays in Bayern Munich. And sometimes Bayern Munich this season has struggled, and I can't believe I'm saying this, they've struggled to create opportunities for Harry Kane. And Zaragoza is a player that can do that for Bayern Munich and Thomas Tuchel. Uh, do you care to wait in on the Jan signings, Jules? <laughs> Jules? <laughs> I mean, I can't, I don't have the list. Uh, but if we stay with Bayern Munich, I like the Sasha Boe signing. They needed a right back. He'd been excellent with Galatasaray. He's Paris born and bred as well, which makes him obviously very good, very handsome and very smart. So <laughs> I, I'm really hoping that Bowie is one of those young, yeah. very good signings. Oh, just, yeah, just, uh, just, just, su just sum it up. Just sum it up and tell us where he's from. <laughs> just sum it all up. Let's see if I can get the next question. Are you kidding me? This is Jan Fischi. The standard, by the way, the standard for Jules was he's smart, he's good looking, he's well dressed, he's French. Great sign. You need to say one thing. All right. If you're a player. No, no, no. Don't try to disguise it. Oh, will it come from Jan's fish? Don't try to disguise it. Don't try to say it. Jan. Okay, all right. Fishing. Oh, wow. Hey, excuse hey. me. Excuse Rock me. Rock bottom, okay? Rock bottom. Yeah, goodness me. Rock bottom. Oh, carry on, carry uh, on. Okay, that was my rock bottom. <laughs> if you're a player looking to make a move in the summer, is United or Chelsea the more desirable option? Goodness me. I'm going to say United. Yeah. Uh, listen, Chelsea now, under this ownership, have had three very good coaches. One not-so-good coach. Uh, um, and it's been a struggle throughout. And so you're not quite sure where the, where the end is, where their rock bottom is. Um, we know Case. We know, <laughs> we know where it is. The young signing. But, you know, I, I, I think um, Manchester United right now... We're losing Kane, by the way. Right here. Manchester United right now are, are, in, a, are in a better place. So I go United. All right. All right. It's funny because it changes because I remember them talking recently, the panel, about which car park you'd rather be driving up to. And everyone was like, oh, Chelsea at the moment. Well, Not, don't want to be driving up to United. Driving to whatever. I feel like whatever. It's Does Chelsea have a better car park? Is that what we. <laughs> that, All right. Yeah. Drive into a parking lot where you have a lot of Jan signings. That, that was <laughs> Okay. Well, now we're in February. It's Fabrizio <laughs> <laughs> Ravinelli. All right. If you are. What? <laughs> no. Again, we thought we'd. Rock bottom, but I think we've gone deeper, okay? 
I've been off for a few days. Noticeably so. Hey, take it, take it from me. I, I see it with experience. Jesse March. Where, where you, oh, she's still where, going. When you're in a hole, when you're in a hole, stop digging, hey. no, no, All right. Stop digging. I'll right. stop digging. I say that with some experience. Help me, Jules. Um, has Shabby shouldered too much blame this season for a Barca that has been plagued by a ridiculous number of high-profile injuries? I mean, I didn't, I didn't catch the whole question. Okay, it was about Xavi and Barcelona. Has he taken too much blame for a Barca team that has been plagued by a lot of injuries? Yeah, I mean, there's one thing that manager can't really control is those injuries. Yeah, of course. But on the other hand, there's still some really good players available to him. It's not like if suddenly he had to play the Barca B team from the start of the season until now and be in this position. So, yeah, of course, it doesn't help when Gavi gets injured. It doesn't help when, you know, when Rafinha, although he doesn't like Rafinha, Rafinha is probably a bad example. But yeah, of course, it's not, it's not ideal, but you still have a really good team capable of doing much better than what they've done so far. So I, I think he knows he's partly to blame for, what, for the, the, the very underwhelming season, let's call it that way, so far. Uh, but it's not just on him. I think Laporta and I think the, the people above Xavi are also partly to blame. Some of the players, certainly the ones who don't seem really to be backing up, are also to blame. The injuries, of course, is one of the reasons why they're also in this position. But let's not forget that Xavi has also a decent squad. This is not Almeria. This is not a squad where 90% of the players have been injured for the whole season either. So I understand the, the injury issue and we could say the same about Ten Hag and about other managers. There have been a lot of injuries post-2022 World Cup. We've explained that before, but still, come on. Ali? I think it would be too simple to define Xavi's success or failure on the injuries. I I think it goes well beyond that, and I'll give you the example of this weekend's game, uh, this past weekend's game against Villarreal. Yeah, regardless of injuries, regardless of absences, to see a Barcelona team playing the manner in which they did, find their way back into the game, and yet like the structure and discipline and identity, uh, all the all organization, all the things that you would think a manager would have in place in order for a team to be successful, all of those things disappear in the last 20 minutes of that game against Villarreal. And while, yes, we can point and say injuries have played a part, I think Xavi, I think most shoulder a lot of the responsibility here because he is at the forefront of making decisions on what goes on in the field. And he has made some questionable decisions this season. And the team, the team in general, doesn't look as if they have actually progressed. I said in the weekend, they actually look like they have regressed from their success last season in La Liga. Shaka, are you surprised that Aaron Ramsdale is still with Arsenal? How hard would you have been pushing for a transfer this window if you were in his situation? If, if I were in his situation, I'd push really hard for a transfer, especially given um, the Euros is a simple. And, and I don't <clears throat> Excuse me. And Ramsey got himself into the England squad. I know all of a sudden he's going to go a season without playing, but it's been, what, two, three games so far? Um, and you don't see that changing between now and the end of the season. That cost him his place. Um, that, that's a huge blow. I, I would have been, I would have had my agent putting out every single stop. 
to, to, to get me a move. Nottingham Forest signed a goalkeeper. Um, you know, that, that was an, an easy landing destination. What about you, Jules, from the Arsenal side of things? No, I understand. I mean, the clubs that could have wanted him, and we saw really the one the, the one club that bought a, a goalkeeper is Forrest, and Shaka mentioned Matt Sells earlier on the show. Could he have gone to Forrest? Is it really right now in his career, even on loan for six months, the right move? I'm not so sure. But is the right move to stay either? I'm not so sure. Was it Arteta who said, we're not going to let you go, we need you in case something happened to Raya? I don't know. And why if Raya doesn't join permanently at the end of the season? Then they would be happy to have Ramsdale still there and, and he would come back as a number one. I don't know. I think there's, again, it's a bit like the Chavi question. It's more complicated than just saying, well, He's not going to play, so why did he stay? I think I think it's more complicated than that. For Jules, do you have a stadium in England or France that surprised you how nice it was and how loud-slash-exciting the atmosphere was for the match? Wow, that's a good question. Yeah, I've got a few. I think the the one really where I was, I was taken aback a little bit, uh, and also it's because they hadn't been in the Premier League for a long time was Nottingham Forest. When I went by, when I went there in the Premier League, because I'd been there, I think I went to a Newcastle, a Forest Newcastle game in the EFA Cup a few years ago, stuff like that, but never in the Premier League. And the atmosphere was just exceptional. I won't lie. And it's an old stadium for the people who like old stadiums more than the new ones. It's, it's a fantastic trip if you have the occasion to go to the city ground, go, uh, because I, I, don't know, I don't know how long it will still uh, you know, be there. At some point, they will surely move to maybe a new stadium. But yeah, this one, Crystal Palace as well, maybe you don't, you don't expect Palace fans to be that loud and, and the atmosphere to be so rocking, but it really, really is at Selhurst Park too. And in France, yeah, but in France, it's more the usual ones. So Lens, Marseille, PSG, those kind of crowds. You guys, is there a stadium you ever went to as a player or as a fan and just thought, wow, or for uh, a game? Well, my, my, my favourite stadium to play at has always been Anfield. I, I love outside of the stadiums that I call home stadium. Um, I loved playing at Anfield. I, I, it just it just had this aura about it. Um, one stadium I'd, I'd like to go to now in a new stadium, I'd, I'd love to experience Spurs Stadium. Spurs new stadium. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why. It, it just... Everything I've heard about it says that it's, it's a great place to go to go watch football. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd love to experience that at, at, of all of all these teams. Monumental de Nunez in Buenos Aires, where Argentina usually plays their home matches in World Cup qualifiers, but that coincided with Maradona coaching his first uh, qualifier for Argentina. I think he had coached in a friendly match or so, but this was the first official match in Argentina. So you can only imagine what the environment was like in that stadium. And it had very little to do with the players on the field. It was about Maradona coaching, uh, which was, as a player, kind of odd. I think people were far more excited about whenever he got up on the touchline and when that was actually just gesturing to the players or talking to the players. They were far more interested in that than they were in whatever we were doing on the field, and certainly what I was doing on the field, which wasn't a whole lot because we lost the game for nothing, and I must have touched the ball about three times the whole game. Uh, Argentina just ran circles around us. It was always going to be predictable because these players were flying. 
playing for Maradona in that environment, they were flying. It, it was it was impressive. It was also, I think I've, I may have told this story before on air. Juan Sebastián Verón, for whatever reason, wasn't very popular at the time in Argentina. And every time he touched the ball, the whole stadium, however many people were there, were booing Verón. Their own people booing Verón, touching the ball. Maradona figured out what was happening, and every time then he touched, or the next time he touched the ball, he started clapping for Verón. And wouldn't you know it, 80,000 people started <laughs> clapping for Verón every time he touched the ball. And you, you just sense Look, there is a power here that it's just magnetic. It, it goes beyond the level of human understanding. And, and now, Verón, every time he touched the ball, the whole stadium was going crazy because Maradona clapped once for him. That was impressive as a player. Even being on the field, you could feel like, wait a second, th this is different than your regular game. I, I, I went to World Cup 2010. I went to see one of the Argentina games. I, I can't remember who, who, the, who the opponent was. But it is almost academic because similarly, yeah. and, and this is in South Africa, in Johannesburg, all eyes are on Maradona. Never mind what's going on, all eyes are on Maradona. It, it, it really, I mean, he just commands such attention wherever he goes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that little round table at the end. Oh, all right. Well, thank you, Kay. It didn't start off very well I for you this extra time. Join us tomorrow. Maybe Jan will come on and tell us about his favorite gun <laughs> signing. Yes. yes. <laughs> you never know. See you tomorrow. Uh. <laughs> Rock bottom, Kay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>